Attack of the Killer Podcast is planning its next big road trip, and we want to make sure we've got everything we need. We've got our passports, swimsuits, $1,000 in traveler's checks, because we're all 75 years old, because no one uses traveler's checks anymore. Clean underwear, virgin blood as an offering to Satan, our eternal souls, and lots and lots of sunscreen. We're taking a road trip to hell on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Podcast. 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 Heidi Ho Buckaroos, and welcome to another hellish episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. I'm your guide, Insane Mike, as we float down the river Styx. This is episode 180, and this episode is our travel log of our road trip to hell. Traveling movies that end up in a very evil, dark, and nasty place. So, speaking of evil, dark, and nasty places, if you like our show, check out all the different shows on our very own podcast network, the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. Uh, With a lucky number of 13 shows on the network, you get all kinds of discussion on pop culture with amazing shows like The Death List, Geeking Poetic Podcast, uh, Late Night Psychorama, The Horror Cast, Atomic Way to Cheese, Campfire Indoctrination, My Bleeding Ears, The Fiasco Brothers Watch a Movie, Story by Podcast, Land of the Creeps, All About Movies, Midnight Snacks, and of course, us here at Attack of the Killer Podcast. You can check out all the shows on the network at thepfpn.com. That is thepfpn.com. Ready to give meaning to your boring, miserable lives? Well then, become a Patreon supporter of our show. Go to patreon.com backslash A-O-T-K-P. And at least go there and check out the different tiers to choose from, with tons of extra bonus material, everything from like videos to bonus episodes and so much more. You won't be able you won't be able to help yourself. You'll just instantly click and become a Patreon supporter of the show. And I can tell you're just itching to get your hands on all this extra content. So if you need more Attack of the Killer podcast in your life, go to patreon.com backslash a-O-T-K-P. Become a supporter of the show today. It's the cure for that itch. That's right. They also, there's creams for that, too. <laughs> now, if you are new to the show, all I've got to say is, where have you been all my life? What our show is about, it's a group of friends that all share a love for horror, and we get together, we pick a topic, and we discuss films within that topic. It's a free-for-all discussion, so there may be spoilers. And before we get into the show proper, I want to make sure I give a holla to our sponsor, Shudder! Shudder. I'll admit I'm watching Shudder right now. Nice. What's on? Um, I'm actually watching the countdown to... The last drive-in, they do like an hour-long, uh, just still shot of Joe Bob's chair in the trailer, and it just has a countdown at the bottom. Oh no, shit! I'm gonna turn it on too. Um, oh crap! <laughs> I don't know where my remote is. <laughs> Damn it! 
Um, I just have it on the background. It's the perfect thing to have on in the background. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. Anyway, what was I talking about? Um, oh yeah, Shutter. Shutter. <laughs> Shutter is an amazing horror genre themed streaming service. Uh, to be honest, if you listen to the show, you should probably already have this service. Um, but if you don't, uh, what are you waiting for? Shutter is full of great horror movies, from classics to brand new films, even Shutter exclusives. Uh, and then lots of great shows that are totally binge-worthy as well. Shutter is only $4.99 a month or $49.99 a year. That's it! Now, because we love you here at Attack of the Killer Podcast, we are going to give you your first fix, I mean, your first month for free. Free? That's right. Free. So go free. to go to Shutter.com <laughs> backslash podcast and enter our promo code AOTKP. Do it. Now. Do it. After, do it. after you listen to this. Well, yeah. Listen to the show first. Well, you could pause. Go do it. Come back and finish listening to the show too. I don't. I don't. Just make sure to come back. That's yeah, exactly. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to introduce you to the podcast crew. He's in good graces with the devil because he sacrificed a sandwich to Satan. Finally, something he can use. Seriously, what's he going to do with just another goat? Andy Wassum, everybody. (laughs) Hello, hello. On his road trip to hell, he took a 24-pack of Mountain Dew because he had to give the devil his due. Tad Good, everyone. It's not. I would never be caught drinking Mountain Dew. <laughs> what is your your soda of choice? Um, actually, I stopped soda, so I'm just on tea, water, or juice. Oh, nice. How long have you been soda-free? Um, outside of the occasional like cream soda, probably like three or four years. Oh, you got me way beat. I'm yeah. I'm going on two years in uh, in August, so. Well, hey, good for you, man. I know. I think I might have had like eight Coke Zeros today, so. <laughs> I've got. I've but got you're, like, you're still. <laughs> you can still bench press both of us, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, no, Jason, this week. Uh, sorry, everybody, to disappoint. I know. Don't don't turn off the show. We we will try to uh, carry on in his absence. Um, we'll try to you know carry the weight of of his of him being gone but he's on tour with his band x-ray mary so and from the sounds of it it's going awesome looks like it's a great time and i'm jealous as i'm stuck it's a, here it's a tour <laughs> it's, not, it's a, not a tour oh my God. it's not a tour <laughs> <laughs> Play it, play it now. Uh, with, <laughs> with that said, I'm going to turn it over to Tad with our first segment. All right, let's kick it off with what we watched, where we discuss what we've watched since we last recorded. That's not part of our episode. And this week, I'm going to start with myself, because I've actually finally seen some other stuff. I've watched some stuff, which is very surprising. Awesome. I've, uh, yeah, I feel like the last couple episodes, I haven't really had much. But since we last recorded, I've seen a lot of great stuff. I caught the first week of Joe Bob's last drive-in on Shudder, which... It's a lot of fun, and I'm sure if you're listening to this, you should have already um, watched it and enjoyed it. 
But I also got to see Jordan Peele's Us in theaters. Sweet. You guys get to see it yet? Yes, Not I yet. actually did. I actually made it to the theater for, for once. And saw what about it. you, Andy? I I have not. Um, uh, I I'm on the fence about it. I know that's not popular because I wasn't a fan. I wasn't a big fan of Get Out. Oh, interesting. But I will. I I want to give him the benefit of the doubt and and watch and watch this one. I I think it might. I I, I really like the premise. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give him a chance. But I will be. But I will be going to Pet Cemetery tomorrow. So. I, I don't well, I think. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say. I don't know if maybe I um, I'm I'm too much of a horror geek, but I I kind of feel like we're almost obligated to go see these movies because he he is such the voice of voice for horror right now. You know, with as big as Get Out was, and the fact that he's doing it's not a remake, it's not a sequel, it's not based off of another property. He's doing these these original content horror movies, and we. Those are so few and far between. I feel like, you know, um, I mean, I I, I want to keep supporting it uh, in the stuff that he's doing, and try to get to the theater every time. So, so the uh, the big wigs that determine what we see uh, at the theater realize that horror has some uh, some longevity. It's yeah. I won't talk too much about it because Andy, you needed to see it, but I think. You might, I mean, I feel a lot of, the first thing people asked me when I went and saw it, I saw it like the Thursday, you know, preview showings, and everybody instantly was like, you know, how does it compare to Get Out? And um, I prefer, I think I preferred Get Out because I thought the screenplay was a little bit um, more, not smarter, but just had a little bit more to it. But this is like straight up a horror movie. There's no political undertones. There's none of that. It's just a, a... awesome jordan peele horror movie and that's not saying like that i because i like get out more you might like us more i think because it doesn't have that sort of um underlying political satire tone to it so i I don't know just sort of depends on what you like but i I, for some reason i sort of know your taste andy and i think you might like this one a little little better oh yeah i mean and it's it's not that i don't have it's not that i have a problem with uh, social commentary movies. Oh, say. I know. You, you you love They Live. It's like one of your favorites. I associate yeah. that movie with you, and that's a big, you know. Yeah, and I love uh, like I, I I was just watching um, the special features on my Arrow release of the people underneath the stairs, and that's a huge. There's a lot of uh, uh, subtext to that movie. There's a lot of you know class and. Uh, undertones to that movie, uh, and I think uh, I think that lot, a lot of that went underneath the radar. I think yeah, there is some of that stuff in in us also. That I'm not saying it's just like a, a thoughtless or um, it doesn't have anything to say because it does. It's just not as in your face as um, it was in Get Out. But yeah. I feel like you you will appreciate it because as a horror or movie nerd, he makes a lot of nods to stuff without without being too obvious about it yeah, without it being Easter eggs yeah without it being so wink wink and like right you know, hey you hey guys check this out yeah yeah i think i think you'll dig this one and uh yeah like i said i'm not going to talk too much about it but i really enjoyed it um i cool. also i saw pet cemetery last night oh sweet yeah 
I really enjoyed that. I was avoiding trailers like The Plague. If I was in a theater and it was playing before the movie, I closed my eyes and, you know, plugged my <laughs> ears. Like, I, I, the only thing I knew about it was that there was some kind of twist that people were upset about, but I refused to read what it was. So I sort of was like the whole movie waiting for, like, oh, are they going to change this? Are they going to change this? And um, I, you know, I, I did not see it coming. It wasn't a huge, like, shocker to me. And I'm not going to mention the twist because I don't know if, if anybody else like me has avoided it, so I don't want to spoil it for them. But I thought some of it, I mean, overall, it's a much better movie. It's much better made. You know, they clearly had oh, a wow. bigger budget and better performances. But I would say that I prefer some of the stuff from the original. Um, the design, like the, the look of Church when he comes back in the original, he has those yellow glowing eyes. And this one, he sort of lacks that. He looks almost more um, just rough and zombified he sort of got matted bloody fur rather than and, and the glowing eyes are just so cool he should have kept that yeah. mm-hmm. um and i don't know just I, I overall i felt like oh man i loved um the performances from everybody just fantastic all around i, I felt like it was uh taken very seriously and and you know they treated it with a lot of love and some really, I don't know, from the trailers, it looked like it could be sort of, uh, like, too polished, and it wasn't at all that way. Um, Jason Clark was awesome, and I love John Lithgow. I've heard some mixed that's, stuff on, but, yeah. That's I who I'm looking forward to seeing. I, yeah, I loved him, man. Like, he, it sort of made me sad in this movie, because he looks really fucking old, you know? And I know he is older, obviously, but they, you know, in this movie, I think they sort of, held back on maybe the uh making him look younger i don't know if they did that or made him look older but something about him he's like you're starting to see his age and it sort of made me sad but that guy is so good though i mean his range he can make you whether he's on like you know third rock from the sun making you just want to piss your pants laughing and he can just go like the way he was in Dexter to make you want to piss your pants just because you're terrified of him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's and, he's so good. Yeah, he's yeah, one he of those. Was, yeah, he's awesome. He's one of those few actors for me that that can be just as great in something dramatic and and comedic, you know. And I I don't think there's a lot of a lot of actors out there that have that kind of range, really, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it was definitely a good choice. I've seen some, like I said, some criticism. I think it's just a matter of people. Whenever you, I don't know, do you? What do you guys consider this? Do you say it's a remake or do you say it's a reinterpretation? Because it's just another movie based on a Stephen King book, so it's hard to say they didn't remake the movie because it's very different. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I'm really, really trying. Like um, my crusade of of striking the word remake from my from my vocabulary i the way i'm i really approaching these films from here on out is that it's just another one in that franchise or how you put it it's just it's another film based off of a stephen king book you know or whatever you know because we can go back and look at all of our you know favorite or even our least favorite uh um franchises from the 80s and there's some some of those movies don't don't follow from the previous film or start over or whatever the case may be so you know why all of a sudden just because they're not putting a number behind it and calling it pet cemetery three you know you 
you know, all of a sudden that's what makes it a remake. I don't know. So, you know, I just I'm tired of overthinking the whole remake and reimagining and all that shit. So it's it's just a just another movie based on based on that franchise. So yeah, because yeah. I mean, it's like when the story, you know, like I said, is is originally a book, and someone took that book, adapted it to a movie for the original and then someone they decided we're going to give it a shot yeah. and adapt the same book and it you know it has differences from the original movie but it also has differences from the book and both movies have different so to me it, it's there it, there is such a thing as a remake like you know John Carpenter wrote Halloween directed Halloween and when Rob Zombie did it he did a remake even though he rewrote it he based it you know it was based on characters created and written by john carpenter and deborah mm-hmm. hill so to me that is that's a remake i don't know it's it's a it's a whole different that could be a whole different episode but um <laughs> i enjoyed it go see it it's great performances all around i loved it uh the i thought the <coughs> it's the two directors from starry eyes did this one oh, oh that's right yeah yeah and it's r- cool to see guys go from that to get finally get their sort of big uh hollywood break and and do well i hope it breaks in money for them in in terms of like you know remakes or reinterpretations i think um uh, this is my general rule i try to go and go in it looking at it like i've never seen this movie before at all you know because if you if you go in there with you know trying already comparing it to like this 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 mythical like standard that you have set for this old school movie that you just you know that you put on this pedestal you're uh, you're automatically going to be dissatisfied with what you're going in to see because it's not it's not what you you already saw exactly yeah yeah who bought who buys a movie ticket to be to have a sense of pre-disappointment. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I that know some make people. Any, We've all that doesn't make people. any sense, man. I mean, it's just like go in there with a fresh set of eyes and act like you've never even heard or seen this story before. But you, you just like it's like you've you've you're seeing it for the first time. This or hearing this story for the first time. Yeah, treat and this I movie on its own merit. Yeah, yeah. Just just go in there and just like you're like you're seeing this story with a fresh set of eyes and i think you'll you'll enjoy it more or you may you may like it less but i think at least you're giving it a fighting chance before you know you even walk into the theater it you know just just shooting it down like that before you're even watching it and you're buying something to to shit all over it just it doesn't make any sense so you yeah, wa- basically why watching it to spite it yeah, yeah, and what you guys are saying hits the nail on the head for me too. That's that. That's part of my whole crusade because I feel like the term remake has got such a bad connotation now. Like everybody just associates it with, you know, it's not as good. You know, it's not as good as the original, and already going in with that mis, you know, that misconception, um, and not treating it like it's like it's its own film. So, um, you know, and. Because you know, who's the and 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 also you know let's not let's not uh, overlook the fact that nostalgia plays a lot of into into that too that I think a lot of these haters um, don't think about like what if this was the original movie and um, 
And then the uh, the other one was was the uh, the new one. Everybody would probably hate that, hate uh, hate the old one if it was the new one because, you know, because it's not like the you know, original. And, you know, when we see films when we are younger, you know, there's a lot more movie magic that kind of dies with us when we're in adults. You oh, know, yeah, we, we associate movies with, with times in our lives. Yes, exactly. So, Oh, absolutely. It's never going to have, you're never going to have that feeling again about that same piece of property. Never. So treat the film on its own merit and not comparing it to that original experience. So Yeah, before I, was, I move on, I do have a few more thing, little things to say. First off, um, how fucking cool is it? Is that 2019? And even if you absolutely hate this movie, how cool is it? It's 2019 that Stephen King is, is huge at the top again, and that means, like, Kids that are, you know, when we were kids, we were discovering Stephen King. There's new kids that are rediscovering Stephen King because yeah. of these movies. So if nothing else, there's some kid out there who's, like, bored with reading, you know, his normal books that are assigned in school. And he checks out, a, he might check out a Stephen King novel and suddenly we have another, uh, you know, another podcast to compete with in a few years. <laughs> he's and, like he's uh, like the Rolling Stones of, like, the horror game, you know? <laughs> I mean, yeah, man. Just... Like, he just won't die. And he, he's it's just another generation getting exposed to it. And my last note on this is something that I'll probably have to uh, duck all the haters, but I don't think the original Pet Cemetery is all that great. So <laughs> I didn't go in with all the high expectations. I wouldn't put the original Pet Cemetery in my top, Stephen King adaptations anywhere close to the top, so I wouldn't either. You know, <laughs> I mean, I don't dislike it, but I don't. You right? Know. Yeah, it's not something I revisit. Out of all of his stuff, I would say that's one I don't revisit very often. If it's on TV or something, I'd catch it, but not something that I, I ever choose to put in and, and watch again. So, I think the the original one's an amazing film, and it's amazingly made. Especially in this time of Stephen King, where it kind of feels like Stephen King adaptations were taking a downward in in um, quality, and and this one I feel like is above the rest. But with that said, it's never anywhere close to the first one I grab off the shelf when I want to watch a Stephen King movie. So I want a big budget Salem's Lot. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I want, man. You know what? Forget that. Let's let's have a big budget stand. Like, big budget stand, and treat it like the Harry Potter series, man. Do, like, seven films, and <laughs> just go all out, man. And this is the time that something like that's possible with every streaming service. You know, they're doing a whole, they're redoing Lord of the Rings, Amazon is, you know, and it's like billion-dollar budget. It's like, we can do this, you know? Yeah. We can do it. Oh, and, uh, yeah, that's, ending on that note, I will say another one I watched this week, um, let's see, I watched it six times because I had to run the projector every time, was um, Field Guide to Evil, which is a new horror anthology from um, the guys who run Alamo Draft House. They pre- actually premiered this at South by Southwest 2018, and it sort of sat looking for distribution since then. And I, I previewed it last tuesday i think and then we played it at the theater thursday or sunday through sunday through yes last night and i was there for all of them so i actually didn't act like sit and watch every time i sat and watched it 
by myself the first time to make sure it played all the way through and looked good and stuff and to sort of preview it for myself because anytime I play it I'm not actually watching but uh, I feel like I can I could play it back and forth in my mind now because I've you know, <laughs> you played it background and this one is a weird one man like I don't know how to feel about it and I asked everybody who came and saw it what they thought of it and people either were like man that was really cool to man that was really fucking weird what was that to uh that was truly awful to you should play more stuff like this so i think with an anthology with eight it's it's the the catch is that it's eight short short films based on ancient folklore from eight different directors and each director from a different country which is really cool concept and outside of the folklore board man yeah outside of the folklore they're not at all connected like these directors did not um have contact with each other they didn't have someone like scoring or editing together like basically they all got their budget they all went and did their own thing with their own people and then they put them all together in a neat package and uh the wraparound sort of like this you know book and it flips through and stops at a chapter and it has a little introduction about what the what what folklore this this short film came from and then it kicks into it and with something like this i sort of knew we were in for some really high highs and some really low lows and i'm sad to report that universally everybody that saw it that i talked to absolutely thought the american short story was the worst it was oh no <laughs> yeah it was i mean it was like it was going full steam ahead. I really loved it. And then it hit the U S one and I'm like, Oh, here we go. And then I'm like, Oh no, like we did it. Like, like what, what happened? America. Like, yeah, man, it was like really, Shit I mean, the the, the, yeah, the shorts were the, the ones from like Turkey. Oh man, the cinematography so gorgeous in some of them. And there's just such unique ideas. There's one that's actually done in a silent film style with, you know, the place cards that come up and, and tell the story that one like word of dialogue is said the whole time. It's really cool, you know, and there's some there's some ones that are just really creepy and mysterious and some that you sort of you watch and it's like did David Lynch direct this? Like what is this? What's happening? And then the American one is like it is man, I just truly hated it. It was about mm-hmm. some kids in the woods with giant heads. But when you finally show them, they just look like they have like nut sacks taped to their heads, and they oh, it's so it's so embarrassingly bad. Like I don't know, man. I don't know what I, happened there. It's like I would have gone with the black-eyed children. I mean, that would have been perfect. Uh, it was just yeah. It was just I, I man, I can't ex- explain how like it sticks out like a sore thumb. I wonder if the producers like got everybody shorts and like oh no, what do we do with this? Like because it is. The acting's bad. The story's pretty dumb. The makeup's really bad. It's just it compared to all the others, it's just not up to snuff. It's like when you're at a film festival and you hit one, and you're like, "Man, how did this one make it in?" That's exactly what I, what it felt like. So yeah, hmm. but it's definitely worth checking out. It's on demand right now, and uh, I think it's out of if it's still in a theaters. It's in very limited theaters, but. Uh, like I said, the cinematography across the board, besides the U.S. one, is gorgeous. Uh, this, a lot of cool scores, a lot of just really creepy, cool stories. And and what I liked about it was that they're all averaged about 15 minutes. So if you don't like one, it's over in 15 minutes, and you're on to the next one. So goes by quick. 
So yeah, that's what I watched. Now that you know, half hour later, I felt like <laughs> since Jason's not on, I had to you know stretch it out, yeah. tack it on. Yeah. So I guess uh, Andy, what did you watch? Okay, I got a I got a few things. Um, well, first of all, not really not really a horror movie per se, but it was probably a horror movie to hotel owners, their spouse, going. their spouses. And their manager, and probably a lot of the groupies. I did watch The Dirt, and I'm actually reading. Uh, I'm reading the book right now. And I watched the, it too. The book. The book is actually pretty. The book is actually. I'm only pretty close to almost halfway through, and I, and the book is actually already better. I mean, they could have thrown in a lot more stuff. I mean, it's the the, the movie on Netflix seems like uh, they. They they got they got some important stuff, but I figure like they kind of glazed over and just wanted to get to like a you know and get to a certain point. But I mean, they could have they could do a mini series with this. But I digress. Um, first up, I watched the 1990 Wheels of Terror with uh, Joanna Cassidy and. Uh, long story short, this uh, guy going around in what looks to be like a 74 Charger that's been modified because, like, the, the front grills don't look actually look like that. So it's made to look – they, like, morph their grill to make it look like it had eyes so it looks, like, more sinister. But anyway, it's like this hit-and-run driver guy that's, like, running over cops and then, like, stealing children. And then, like, he's letting the children go, but he's, like, molesting them. But, like, once – they can't really say anything what this guy looks like because they're, like, catatonic. So you never see, like, the driver. But uh, – this Joanna Cassidy's like a bus driver, and she's got like for some odd reason the bus that she drives has like a racing engine in it. So it's like that's what helps her keep up with this guy. And they're driving like all over hell. In the beginning of the movie, you see like this uh, mining site where they've got like explosives and dump trucks and all this other shit. So eventually, uh, she gets her daughter back out of this guy's car after you know she uh, she's been kidnapped. And they're on this really high cliff, and she's and they're about to ram him. And she's trying to get this bus started, right? She gets out of the way, and uh, the the this this charger goes over the cliff, and the hang time on this is just awesome. I'm just like, all right, yes, man, this wreck is gonna be fucking awesome. It's gonna be so cool. They cut, and they don't even show you uh, show you where the where the car lands. They just show like this place where they keep all the explosives and they show like this, like what appears to be like this. It makes it look like the car is landing on top of it. It's where the, all the explosives are and the car lands on that. They just literally cut to that to where, like where the landing site is. So they don't even show the car flying through the air or rolling or anything. They just look like this black spot. It lands on this explosive part and the fucking thing blows up. And it was just like, <laughs> I'm like, what the hell kind of wily coyote bullshit is this? Did it not have like a budget to do it right or what? I, I guess not. But I mean, just, at first I was like pissed off because like it showed this car. I mean, it was just like, I mean, it literally looked like it had like a mile to like fall and roll and do all this, all this crazy stuff. But it just cut to like where, where they like this explosive bunker and it lands on that and just boom. And the more I think about it, I, this is the first time I've been on the pit, on the fence. I don't know whether to be pissed off or actually love it because it's because 
A, it's such a letdown, and B, it's so damn hilarious. It's just like, boom, it just completely obliterates everything. And then the wife and the kid drive off into the sunset. So, <laughs> But um, in this, like, in, you know, and I'm not making fun of special needs kid, but she's in, she's driving a short bus the whole time, you know. And, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, very, very different movie. It's, it's like... Uh, <sighs> I would say it's like kind of like a lifetime movie the way it's presented, you know, yeah. only it's got like this guy like in a charger and the charger is actually kind of cool. Uh, and it's similar to Duel because you never see who's driving this thing, which is like it's only saving grace there. It, it, it keeps its mystique that way. Uh, next up, and I actually watched this last night and I hadn't seen it. It came in one of my like my uh, monthly boxes they used to describe to. And I've had it forever, and I'm a big uh, Full Moon guy, even though I haven't seen any of, like, the Puppet Masters. Don't murder me. Um, but How could I you watched... be a Full Moon guy and not see any of the Puppet Masters? <laughs> I, I, what I have know. you seen? <laughs> I, what like, else is there? Uh, well, I just watched Demonic Toys. Nice. And I got to tell you this right now. I want, like, a baby oopsie-daisy that like has a pull string and can say all the phrases because that freaking thing is hilarious. <laughs> I, I freaking love demonic toys, you know? Um, I can walk, I can talk, I can even shit my pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, next up is a uh, Joe Dante movie that I watched with Danielle and it's called burying the X. Oh yeah. And yeah. That's all that one. Great, great movie uh, with uh, the zombie girlfriend that just won't go away. I won't go too far into it, but yes, I would totally be say yes, 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 freaking yes to Alexandra Daddario, who's into horror movies, who listens to punk music, and runs a goddamn ice cream shop. I don't think you could ask for anything more. <laughs> uh, the perfect woman. Oh my god, so good. Uh, and it just, there was this scene at the end that just m almost got me misty eyed because Anton Yelchin is no longer with us and he shared a scene with Dick Miller and Dick Miller, of course, was, you know, deputy Paisley, which I thought was, oh man, it just gave me, gave me the sads a little bit, but yes, burying the ax. I, I recommend that one as well. Um, I also watched a a relatively uh, new movie, tw 2017, and it's got James Franco uh, and, and Taron Manning and uh, Clifton Collins Jr. in it. And Clifton Collins is in a lot of movies that I like. Uh, it's called The Vault, and it's about these bank robbers uh, who, you know, they break into this bank and all the cash that they're supposed to supposedly supposed to get is in a vault down below. And unbeknownst to them, there was a murder that took place there and they can't get out of this bank now because this, the ghost of the, the teller, uh, the ghost of tellers past, I should say. And the, uh, uh, the guy who held it up last are like, killing them they're killing all these bank robbers and now they can't get out of the bank even though they want to so and james franco was in it which i was like actually wow he's in a movie that's got this fairly low budget but it's actually done pretty well i i enjoyed it so the vault and the last one is i went really old school because i wanted this for my collection i bought it it's an anchor bay release and it's uh i got lucinda dickey 
in it, uh, who was in Ninja 3, The Domination, and Breakin' and, the, and those canon films. And she's actually only, originally, uh, she grew up in Hutchinson, Kansas, and that's kind of in the sticks. She's uh, not too far away from us. Oh, well, from me, anyway. And it's Cheerleader Camp with Woo! Leaf Garrett and I actually like this movie. Um, I do, I'm in. I'm in. I like the cheesy slasher ones, dude. I mean, even you can give me like the crappiest cheesy slasher flick, and I would still find something uh, that I would like about it. Uh, nothing much. I mean, it's it's a guy killing. It's it's a person killing people at a cheerleader camp. I mean, I can't really get much into that. I mean, it's and Betsy Russell, uh, who's easy on the eyes as well. Uh, she keeps having these nightmares and blah blah blah. I just say just just watch it and have like eighties fun. Eat like like a really crappy cheap tombstone pizza and have a cream soda, Tad, and uh, <laughs> and 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 just enjoy the, the the campiness. Plus, it's got Leaf Garrett, and he and as far as I can tell, he's not bombed on heroin while he's making this. So, uh, yeah, that that's my list. I love Cheerleader Camp, and that <clears throat> I don't know if it's because of the time frame it came out, or if it's the production value is, is so similar. But uh, I always it always remind when I'm watching it, it always reminds me it falls into those in that category of like the Sleepaway Camp sequels, two and mm -hmm. three, like same kind of like production value, you know, pretty much on the cheap, you know, bit tongue in cheek, um, but yeah. Great movie, and it's got and it's got Buck Flower in it, dude. I love That's that right. guy. That's right. <clears throat> well, Mike, what did you watch? Oh, um, I also watched Us, and really liked it. But we all on the show need to see it, and maybe just do an episode on it. Or I'm at least going to make sure it's in my top ten, so we can have a discussion at the year ender. Because mm -hmm. I'm I. There's there's some logic flaws that, I mean, I'm not going to be one to be poking holes. I hate that, you know. But there's just some things that I'm wondering if maybe I missed something with the whole concept. But I loved the concept. Again, he's doing original stuff, you know. It, it, even though, again, he's not doing, you know, remakes or, you know, based on other properties or whatever. But he's also not doing typical you know, subgenres either, you know, he's not doing just like a straight, straight slasher or a vampire film. He's like coming up with his own concepts that, that are really interesting and really unique. So I, I had a lot of fun with the movie. Um, but yeah, everybody needs to see it so I can talk more about it. Um, I just binged this week. Actually I did it, I think in one night. I've had insomnia all week. It's not been fun, but, uh, um, and one night I binged season three of Santa um, Clarita Diet. I've been watching that too. I haven't I haven't got it done yet, but I'm enjoying it. Ah, uh, season three is just as good as the rest of them, man. It's cool. It's awesome, and there's actually there's actually a couple moments there with some of the some of the tongue in cheek gore moments that actually even made me cringe. There's like a moment she's uh, she's. She's peeling a finger with a potato peeler as if she's like <laughs> like peeling a carrot, but it's a oh, finger, man. and it's just and that like 
It was hilarious, oh, and but was, was making me queasy at the same time. It was amazing. Um, so, but oh yeah, love that show. Love it. Um, and then I also binged uh, Critters, a new binge on Shutter. How bad was it? Oh man, I'm. Ch- trying really hard not to be negative about it but it's pretty bad from what i is it like just a really short movie that's cut into 10 minute episodes it's as if charles band got his his dream came true and he was given the um critters property because it is on the production value of the cheapest full moon movie um which is really sad to say for critters, right? Yeah, it's um, not a compliment. No, not at all. And and it also reminds me, because like, um, a few years back, one of the last things that I actually love that Full Moon did, they did a, a quote-unquote series that was originally made uh, f- exclusively for their online streaming service called Trophy Heads, where it was just like serial killer reenacting... Um, all these scenes from different um, movies featuring Scream Queens, and he would kidnap all these Scream Queens and uh, reenact these scenes, for, um, and then kill the kill the Scream Queens for real, and then chop off their heads and mount their heads on the wall. And he's using real Scream Queens. It's got Linnea Quigley in it, um, oh, wow. <clears throat> uh, Michelle Bauer, uh, Brink Stevens, um, like a couple of uh, Full Moon regular uh females and i really liked that a lot however in typical cheapness charles band fashion he cut up what could because like any full moon movie that has been made in the past 10 15 years barely counts running time as a movie so now he makes this show called trophy heads that if you were just to put all the episodes together it would be an actual length of your standard feature-length movie. I think it's like an hour and a half, an hour, 40 minutes, whatever. But he ends up cutting it, trimming it into an episodic series. And I'm like, why did you, you bother? And I bring this up because that's what, that's what this Critters thing is. It's, it's what could have been a movie... They chop up into like eight, ten-minute episodes, ten to fifteen-minute episodes. So just as things start to happen, then the episode's over and and move on to the next episode. So it really fucks with the tone of the whole thing when you're watching these like ten-minute, you know, ten-minute things that lead into the next next thing, and it, you just get this interruption with end credits and then opening credits to the next episode. It just really fucks with the whole tone of the thing, but that's the best part of it. Like the rest of it's, it's Hmm. like such bad. And every time though, every time I'm like, "Fuck this," and I'm about ready to turn it off. There is something that sucks me back in. Like Gilbert Godfrey's in it, so that's awesome. Um, uh, uh, oh man, I was blank on his name. Uh, the comedian act, the comedic actor who was in the last Puppet Master movie. Um, oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, he shows up in it, and I'm and I'm like, oh, that's awesome. <clears throat> um, but uh, 
But other than that, like, oh, you need to watch it, and then and then we can talk about the actual plot of this thing. Is there? Do you think maybe they did it this way? Be, like, there's some kind of rights thing. Like, they couldn't release a new movie, so they had to make it act like as a TV show for some reason. I don't know. Maybe I was talking to Jason about it, and he said there was another Shutter series that was the exact same thing, where it was like ten minute episodes. But if you were to put all the episodes together, it'd be a, f- a feature film. And I don't remember what show that was. But uh, so I don't know. I don't know if maybe that's just the format they're going for, or if you're right. If it is, maybe you're like a rights thing. Who knows? But there's like a moment in the movie. Well, first of all, like the the critters, the crites, are way too like humanized in this. I mean, they're talking through the whole thing. I mean, they're still talking in their gibberish, and you got the subtitles. But they're they're like talking through the whole thing, and and you know they're just not run, rolling around eating people like on like in the uh, like in the real movies. Um, I mean, there's still some moments of carnage, but uh, but yeah, it's it's pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, That's there's too bad. there's there's some fun stuff, but yeah, it's and and I, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe this is like what we were talking about before. Maybe part of my problem is, and and that's what kept me going through the whole thing. As I'm telling myself, quit trying to compare it to the original films. But it is such a it's it's such a departure from even parts three and four that like it was really hard to get to look past it. So. And there's, oh my god, there's like a scene that's almost, there's a scene that I'm like, did the guy who directed Birdemic shoot this thing? Because the bounty hunters are chasing after the crates, obviously, and they land in Australia, and they realize that the crates land in America, so they start running through the outback, but it's obviously them against a green screen, and they're jogging in place like you would see in like some like the room or some shit. It is like the worst green screen and the worst, you know, fake physical acting I've ever seen in something that uh should know better. So hmm. anyway. I think that's all that's I That's what you watched? Yeah. That's all you watched? Yeah. Okay, well we're an hour in, so we can uh I guess <laughs> kick off the episode. I know, we gotta get going, just Joe Bob just started. Um <laughs> Alright, so we're talking about movies our road trip to hell. Movies that uh you know people are taking a trip and they end up um in a bad, bad place. So Tad, what is the first film we should talk about tonight? The first film we're talking about is As Above, So Below. My name is Scarlett Marlowe and I'm a student in urban archaeology. 370 feet beneath this point is a hidden chamber that might contain a critical missing piece of our history. How are we supposed to get down there? Catacombs. There are 200 miles of tunnels right underneath our feet. They're holding the remains of six million corpses. Stop. This is the empire of the dead. These are human bones. We go through here. Let's do it. I think I'm stuck. Just breathe with me, please. It's okay. What was that? 
above so below um this is a horror movie made in 2014 and i was very happy that mike put this one on the list because oh good this is one that i did not catch in theaters and i was sort of bummed about because i'll admit the trailers did nothing for me and then it it sort of got buzz you know um some of my friends who saw it were like "This, this is pretty cool so it's one of those movies that you add to your list and then you know what has it been five years later i still have yet to get to it so when you gave me a great excuse to finally catch it and i'm glad you did because i really enjoyed this one yes this is a first time watch for me and i remember when this came out it was this was a major you know this is a i got a full theatrical release it was it Mm -hmm. opened wide you know it was uh put out by universal and legendary this wasn't this is not a small indie film so sort of cool you know we, we like to get a variety of things but i feel like i see most major studio things and this one slipped by and uh this is something i would definitely revisit so story-wise this one's pretty actually very simple and this is why i sort of called dibs on it because there's not really much to explain on this one <laughs> um this young i guess alchemist scarlet named scarlet She's on this uh, hunt for the Philosopher's Stone, and it's not the one from Harry Potter. <laughs> and um, basically, she's on the search for this. It's it's this movie's shot in found footage, which I normally hate, but it was really cool for this. And and yeah, I guess I shouldn't well. say I normally yeah I guess I shouldn't say I normally hate because I actually like quite a few found footage movies. It just sort of got a bad rep there for a while when uh, yeah. Paranormal Activity made them. You know, it sort of started a trend where everything was being shot in that for a while. Shitting them out left and right. Right. And so I feel like sometimes when good movies like this one do that, they got lumped in with the bad ones. And this one does not, you know, it's not a bad one. But back to the story, this young alchemist named Scarlet, she wants to find the Philosopher's Stone. She wants to go, she, she believes it's down in the catacombs under Paris, under the streets of Paris, 
because there's all these tunnels and the catacombs that are actually there. They really exist, but they sort of, you know, use that to their advantage and they, she goes all around and she convinces her ex, I believe it's her ex-boyfriend to come down, takes a little convincing. Uh, she gets her friend who's a cameraman to come down and she sort of recruits this little team, convinces them that they should come with her and it will be, you know, a really crazy adventure they find a guy who's supposed to be a guide who knows his way down there because you can't just sort of, you know, lift up a sewer grate and, you know, fall into the catacombs. You have to know a way in and the best way to find what she's looking for. And it's it's sort of like a dark, fucked up version of National Treasure. Cause, uh, <laughs> yeah, totally. She, she yeah. has to do say- some, like like pouring liquids on some stones and burning them in a museum. There's some of that stuff is a little far fetched, but that, I loved it, man. Yeah. I like and, the fact uh, that they're that they're down there for like a reason. Every time you see like a movie like like this with like a like a similar setting, they're just, oh, we're going down there to party, you know. I mean there's like a they have like a legitimate reason as to why they want to go deeper, further, further in there. I was just like, I wrote this like this is like part Indiana Jones, part the Descent, part Hellraiser, which yeah. you know, it's that's a good, I, I, that's a good description. But um, yeah, they uh, they get down there and uh, there's not. I mean, it starts off, you know, and they they get down there and she's they're slowly finding their way through. And that to me, the first moment that was really creepy was when they. And it might just be the sort of the first scare is when they come across like a cult that's down there. Yeah, sort of like having naked like, choir meetings. practice. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird. And, and, yeah, and, yeah, and that kind of shit like that freaks me out, man. Like, because that stuff's real. Like, people, the oh, organized yeah. religion to me is much more scary than you know um, <laughs> serial killers, like than you know Jason or Freddy or anything. Like, organized religion is is a terrifying thing, and and that shit's for real, but. Something about the music, too, you know, just adds to it. Um, but as they get deeper, obviously, more and more bad shit starts happening. You sort of know that's going to come. But as someone who's extremely claustrophobic as I am, putting that... Of course, the, the Descent, like you mentioned that, that movie fucked me up watching that, and it still gets me. But this one even, even had me going, because I feel like the combination of claustrophobia with the mm-hmm. found footage had me rattled a bit and i would not step a fucking foot in those catacombs if you paid me a million dollars man no like, fucking way like i'd d- give it a shot the deeper no the <laughs> deeper they got oh man the scene where the cameraman sort of getting stuck crawling through the bones and it's crumbling behind him oh that's man. my absolute worst nightmare you know that oh, literally yeah i've seen this just, I've seen this movie yeah. a few times, and watching it again this week for the show, that still makes me cringe. Like I just yeah. and and the more, the more he starts to panic, the more anxiety it gives me. And right. yeah, yeah, that I thought they did a great job with that. Again, you, like you said, the descent I think is the ultimate in in um, that phobia, um, which I apparently clearly have because. You know, just the idea of being stuck there and not being able to control the situation—you can't get—you can't turn around or whatever. You know, the only thing that that keeps me from just like literally losing my mind watching scenes like that is is like the knowledge that I know that I will never put myself in a fucking situation like that. Right, and 
it's funny because you know the the scary thing should be the fact that the catacombs and all the bodies are buried down there and all the you know skeletons stuff and to me that's like the least scary part of this yeah like yeah. you know now obviously it, they have a cool setting for it and it adds to oh, the movie you know that yeah. sort of puts them down there but you could even just put them in like underground tunnels as they dig deeper you know and it doesn't the, the bodies don't really affect me much it just adds visually it's really cool and it's something that is real so it adds to the story but it's it is like you said with the thing about having um uh a reason to be going down there is really is smart too because some of these you, you like cloverfield some of those I, I i love them but sometimes just like they have to really dig to find a reason to have the found footage element where if you're going on a, a trip like this in a journey, you know, to find the Philosopher's Stone and she's she's on this mission, you would definitely have someone record it because you're, you're seeing history, stuff that people have never seen before. Obviously, you're going to want to record it. So that's yeah. cool. And uh, as you can imagine, if you have not seen this, people, you know, their, their crew starts dying off one by one in horrible accidents. The one, the one blip I guess i the one knock i have on this movie i guess i would say is towards the end when um more supernatural stuff starts happening i don't really love because i think the the place alone is just damn creepy enough and and getting disoriented and getting lost and get having stuff um sort of your pathway out collapse and only one way but you know having a hard time finding your way out is enough for me but I get why they did it, and some of the, the effects are really cool, like the, the scene where the car sort of, you know, crumbles into the ground. Uh, obviously, uh, there's a character in the movie who sort of is... He let... He, his brother, I believe it was, wasn't it, died? Mm-hmm. Or a best friend? I think it was his brother that it's died. his brother in, that died in the car fire, yeah. yeah. Right, Pap. and so he's, he's... Yeah. He's seen that down in the catacombs, and I guess that sort of, I think plays on the fact you know when you get down there you're left to your own devices and it's sort of sort of like in it or several other movies where you know your your mind is playing tricks on you and making you relive the worst moments of your life and you know you're you're really reliving your biggest fear and that sort of comes you know with the territory of going down these deep catacombs and i love towards the end when they are getting uh, completely disoriented, and they they go through something, and then they 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 think they just you know made it to the next level, and they're right back where they were. That sort of hmm. got me going too. I, the the scenes where they the girl has to go under the water and swim under a wall. Oh my god! Oh, that's yeah, like fuck yeah. that. Yeah, See, I, I I love that. It just reminded me of like that first scene in. Uh, uh, Dario Argento's Inferno. I love like all yeah, underwater that scene too. stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not saying I'm not saying like it's a bad scene, man. But man, like that gets my nerves on their end. Uh huh. You know, it's supposed yeah. to do, dude. I, I know and that's great. Like that's what I'm saying. It, it's you know when people people always say you know the movie wasn't scary. Like if I say if I were to tell somebody in discussion that this movie's scary to me, they'd probably be like you're a wuss. I'm like it's a claustrophobia, man. Like yep. the yeah, idea you- of you don't know how she didn't know how far that wall went down or what at all was on the other side. And the idea of like getting onto the other side, and not being able to like surface freaks me out, you know? Mm-hmm. And like I she said, had to go back and she right. didn't know if things were collapsing behind her and right. And they gets deeper 
and you know they keep getting they have to keep they're told they have to keep going down to get back up oh. which is yeah which is you know obviously the title as above so below everything's and ass the, backwards yeah and the poster sort of cool it has the eiffel tower upside down and i uh, uh i actually have uh that poster uh but it's but it's one of those little small promotional ones. I actually had a chance to see this at a film festival that I was a finalist in for a screenplay, and unfortunately, I it coincided with a a shorts program that we were going to, and I didn't get a chance to see it. But I made sure I grabbed the poster because I really liked the premise, and I eventually had to see it on on DVD, but. I, get, I keep kind of kicking myself. I was just like, man, just to see this at like an Alamo draft house, it would have been really, really cool. But, oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I was, you know, going into the end, I wasn't sure what they were, how it was going to end. And, you know, a few of them survive and it's, it's cool because it looks like they're going down and they lift the lid and they end up back on the street, like climbing out upside down. They end up, you yeah. know, even uh, watching... Even watching that was like disorienting. Yeah, know, right, totally. Uh, I also thought like some of like the real like simplistic stuff in this movie was effective. Like that old phone that was sitting on like this like on uh, the ledge. Yeah, it was like sitting on like this little piece of furniture. You know, like something yeah, like would yeah. have in their back, and it's down in this cave. I'm just like, shouldn't you be shitting your pants right now? Like, <laughs> oh yeah, that's. What is that That's doing? Freaky there? when it starts when it's ringing and the guy comes yeah. out and they're like, "We thought we assumed you were dead and he had been down there." Like, fuck that, man! Like, yeah. and she answers the phone and it says, "Why won't you talk to me, Scarlet?" So something knows that she's down there and knows her personally, and she, and I thought, you know, like, shouldn't she be freaking out right now? Like, how does this person on the other end of this line know her name and you know and and a know that she was there? And just in the in the scene with the piano, you know, with the key yeah. being off, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's uh, wow. Yeah, they did a good job of uh, with the creeps on this one. Like, I don't know, man. This is this is the kind of shit that really freaks me out. It's like they they went to <laughs> what my fears and found something. So, you know, I'm glad. Uh, once again, Mike picked a good one for this. Well, thank and you. And I was glad I got to yeah. finally get to it. And now I'm like, I got to pick it up on Blu-ray for a rewatch. Definitely, <laughs> definitely rewatch this one again and again. Even though, if you're listening, it's on Netflix, and everyone has Netflix, so you can watch it on there. It's a gem. I'm really excited. Yeah. I'm really excited and happy to hear you guys liked it because I I love this movie and, and and Tad, I was I was the same way for a long time. I was like, oh. I hate found footage. And then I would stop and think, so like, well, this movie's awesome. Well, this movie's awesome. And like, wait a minute, I think I love found footage. It's just, <laughs> it's just oversaturated. But there's a, a lot of diamonds in the rough, though. Like this and The Bay. Have you guys seen The Bay? Uh-huh. I have not. Oh, God, I love that movie. That's probably going to have to be on a list um, one of these days. But, uh, yeah, I, my first time watching this, I, I loved it. It's the same thing. It tapped in a lot of some phobias and some fears, and just created some uh, you know amazing tense moments for me. And still, you know, like I said, I watched it earlier this week, and I'd seen this movie at least two or three times, and it still affects me when that when Benji's in the in that hole and he gets stuck amongst all the bones. 
just that moment when he starts kind of freaking out a little bit and starts starts you know screaming and crying and stuff and i'm and i start panicking too just sitting in my the comfort of my living room watching this but right because what what do you do in that situation if you do get stuck you just wait to die i mean it's the worst fucking thing or get or get crushed you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. yeah and then the tunnel starts collapsing on him yeah, and it seems like the more the more he struggles, the more stuck he gets. Right. So I mean, it's man, it's, like it's quick, a catch twenty like quicksand. Yeah. Oh, and man. it's weird because like this is such a phobia for me that even when I travel, like if I even go, you know, like we we go to Florida for Halloween horror nights. Like when I'm there, I'm enjoying myself, but there's always a little part of me that's like in the back of my head freaking out, like what happens if I can't get home? Even though I have a plane ticket and there's a million ways to get home, I have this, like, weird... I feel so, like, home is safe, and if I, you know, there's not a way out of... Even I'm open in the public, you know, and it's just so weird. Like, I guess it's, like, a big fear of mine. So being mm. down, stuck in something like that is is just overload. Oh. Yeah, and... Uh, yeah, and then b- beyond that moment... Beyond all that stuff, yes, the setting is 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 great. You know, the location is is just really really awesome, and um, I just love the whole concept of the you know just this whole descent into hell basically is what it was. And um, and for me, that final scene was definitely that final moment to them climbing through the manhole was such a fuck yeah moment for me, like. Yeah, great film, and I th- I I don't think it gets enough uh, gets gets enough recognition. I don't know how it did in the box office, but I I you know I tend not to hear a lot of people talk about it. So uh, you know, definitely, everybody out there, give it a chance. It's it's really it's, good. It has a twenty twenty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes, so not so good. Oh Jesus! Yeah, Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, oh and. I- and that, I own this. I own it. Sweet. Yeah, I, I mean, I do too. Yeah. Um, I only have it on DVD, though. I should get it on Blu-ray. Yeah, me as well. Uh, I don't know, though. Do you really need a found footage movie on Blu-ray? I think that's why it, what justified me buying it on DVD. Because I found it on DVD for cheap, and I'm like... My and every time I have those moments of finding cheap DVDs nowadays, I'm like, am I gonna eventually just buy this on Blu-ray? Why am, am I gonna waste money buying it on DVD right now? So it was one of those like, do I need a found footage movie on Blu-ray? So, but uh, that scene um, with the burning car and his brother in the in the car, I gotta say that's one of the coolest. Look, that has to be in cinema history of one of the best looking. Um, you know, person on fire scenes ever. And like, he's just chilling. He's just like very calm, and he just kind of cranks his head and <laughs> looks at him. Well, just on he's an just... effect on effect standpoint, it's seamless. I mean, it's got to obviously be digitally done. But you, anytime I see like you know a digital or an optical fire effect like that, where you could see the person's full face, it, you can tell there's a separation between the fire and the and the human and the person, or the CG animation is just not up to par because it's hard to mimic the movement of fire. But this was freaking seamless. I mean, it looked like the guy was in the back seat of a burning car. Hmm. At least I thought so, anyway. Yeah, it looked great. Like I think my 
like I said, my one only knock is that the the whole supernatural stuff sort of took me out of it a little bit just because the claustrophobia of it is enough for me. But I understand that it's not enough for everybody. So they, they added some psychological stuff. And I'm not saying, I guess the more I think about it, the more I like it because it's like that nece- that didn't necessarily, wasn't necessarily actually happening. It might have just been happening, you know, it was in his head because of, you know, his fears coming to life in his in his mind because it's, it's fucking with his head from being down there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I see your point with that. I've, I've always assumed it was like supernatural though that they that they're literally you know walking through hell it was always my assumption and it took me for it took me a long time I think it took me until this last viewing to figure out if that's true if they found the gateway to hell through the catacombs um how did they easily i mean not that it was easily half of the people died, but still though in conception. How did they easily get out? And I think I think this last time I figured it out, it's because of her, because she's the the, the philosopher's stone at that point, mm-hmm. and that's that's how they got out because you know because she's I guess magical now too or whatever. But she jumped down that big tunnel, and that's what gets them out, man. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you know it it it, it kind of coincides with uh, the title. It's kind of like what's inside is shown outside. Like their their biggest uh, their biggest fear is is shown, you know, outside of themselves, and it makes it happen. I mean, it's like she kind of she's like she rectifies the stone, so at the, but at the same time she has to rectify herself. So she's like confessing her sins and admitting and and all this and that, which kind of you know, uh, I guess she she atones. For herself you know and and she atones for everybody else like he 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 forgives himself for you know leaving his brother to drown and all this and that yeah. so i mean they kind of saved themselves you know in, in a way for just by atoning for their misdeeds which in which helps them get out I, I at least that's my take on it a little bit yeah i get i get what you're saying with that but again you know thinking on the pure concept of these people end up in hell, you know, is it going to be that, is it that easy to escape from hell? And if, if it is, then like, Ah, why isn't everybody doing it? You know, (laughs) but, uh, and I get, I I got a revolving door then, you know, (laughs) exactly, exactly. And I, I never really thought of, uh, Tad's, um, take on it being more psychological at like a lot of the stuff that's going through in our minds because, because we're seeing it. You know, this is found footage, so we're we're seeing in the footage this stuff happening. So mm-hmm. that's where it, it definitely felt like more of like a, a journey through hell for me as well. I also have a, a new love and appreciation for this film, realizing that the guy who plays George, um, Scarlett's love interest, uh, is played by Ben Feldman, who is. I um, oddly enough, uh, you mentioned it before, but he's in Cloverfield. He's also in the 2009 Friday Thirteenth film. Um, but, yeah, I love this guy. But and he the plays Supermarket Show. Yes, he plays Jonah on Superstore, and that's like yeah, one of my hilarious. favorite shows right now. So. Yeah, he's on Silicon Valley too on HBO. Oh, is he? Oh, I've I've never seen Silicon Valley, so maybe I'm gonna. Have to oh watch man, it. you would love it too. 
That's what Jason says. So yeah, maybe I should. Nah, I got two people telling me to watch it, so maybe I actually should. Uh, it's just directed by John um, Dowdell. I don't know how to say his last name, but he did Poughkeepsie tapes. Uh, oh wow! Quarantine and Devil. You know the one with the people trapped in the elevator. Yeah, uh-huh. I haven't seen that one. That was produced by Shyamalan, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I liked that one. Um, and I know Quarantine gets gets a lot of slack because the because Wreck is so much better. But I like Quarantine, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would say I would say this is better. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Definitely, Definitely do think so. But he, I, I, I enjoy Quarantine, so. Yeah. So sweet, yeah. That's a, as above, so below. Uh, Andy, why don't you take us into our next film? Okay, our next film is from 1991, and it's called Highway to Hell. Hey, yo. Join us on a dazzling cinematic adventure down the highway to hell. Hey, a winding that stretches from here to eternity. Kansas anymore. Discover the warm, energetic, inventive, and friendly inhabitants of hell. Can you tell me the quickest way to hell? Sex, drugs, rock and roll. Share with them their traditional crafts and delicious local cuisine. Vegetarian bitch! Paging Saddam Hussein! Bastard! Down here, that's a compliment! You'll marvel at the unusual flora and fauna. Delight in the people's daily pursuits. I'm a lover, not a fighter. And see reenactments of rituals that go back hundreds of thousands of years. Once you're crossed, there is no way back. I'm gonna school your brain! Learn how a people steeped in tradition have made their city a thriving modern metropolis. It's the cop from hell! And meet the individuals who have made hell the international hotspot it is today. I am the Prince of Princes. We've heard that story before, haven't we? Highway to Hell. An unforgettable journey from sovereign pictures. Now we'll have some fun. I got to say that I have a very big place in my heart for this film. I actually uh, stayed up late, unbeknownst to my parents, so I could catch this. It was like on like uh, like a HBO like primetime Thursdays where they would show like like these B movies like late at night, and I always wanted to catch like you know like there was be like shit like cyborg cop 2 and shit like that i mean i I was just drawn to these movies when i was you know a kid but anyway uh highway to hell is a 
it's a story about Charlie Sykes, played by Chad Lowell, and his girlfriend Rachel, played by Buffy. Well, the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Christy Swanson, and his girl, who plays Rachel. And they're on a secret road trip to Las Vegas to get married. And they decide to take a back road to Vegas. And on the way there, they need to get gas. And they stop at Sam's Last Chance gas station. Sam is played by Richard Farnsworth, who I absolutely love. I love that guy. Um, And Sam uh, warns Charlie not to fall asleep on this back road between these two uh, Joshua trees in the road. And both on the way there, both of they, of course, you know, they don't heed the warning and both Charlie and Rachel, they fall asleep. And when they awaken, Rachel, Rachel is uh, kidnapped by Hell Cop, played by C.J. Graham, who was also uh, Jason Voorhees in Jason Lips. Unbeknownst to Charlie, he was on the highway to hell. Charlie, uh, he returns to uh, Sam's. Uh, gas station and Sam tells him that he must travel to hell and catch the hell cop before hell city in order to save Rachel. Uh, He knows this because uh, the same thing uh, happened to his once true love Clara back like in the 1940s. Sam provides Charlie with a car and weapons and sends him on his way. And of course, Charlie makes it into hell and I will I will leave it leave it at that so we can so we can talk about it. Um, first of all, th- the the cast in this is uh, awesome. You have uh, Patrick Bergen, who was uh, Julia Roberts's main squeeze in uh, Sleeping with the Enemy. Well, not main squeeze, more more like the enemy. Uh, he plays Bezel. Uh, we we've we've got Lita Ford. Uh, who is uh, who plays a hitchhiker, and I could watch her lean into that car all day long. <laughs> uh, you, I mean, of course, you've got the main the main ones that stick out are the the people that inhabit hell, mm-hmm. which you have hit Hitler, Cleopatra, uh, Attila the Hun, and all these other people. But Hitler is played by Gilbert Gottfried, and he's hilarious yeah, when he does it. It's awesome. Gilbert, <laughs> a very Jewish Gilbert Gottfried playing Hitler. It's freaking amazing. Hell yeah. That's the best stunt casting in cinema history. You have uh, Ben Stiller dressed up like Attila the Hun, but he, but he, his best part is when he plays this cook, and he's cooking like eggs and ribs <laughs> and steaks and all this shit out on the concrete in front of this uh, coffee shop. And yep. he's got like these one-liners that are just so cheesy, like uh, "Who needs Who needs mesquite when you've got concrete?" All this other shit. I, mean, I, I read he ad-libbed those all lines too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the whole Stiller family's in it. Um, you got Jerry Stiller is in it. He plays the cop that that tries to steal Hellcop's coffee. Um, yep. His sister Amy Stiller plays Cleopatra, and the waitress is is. Um, and Mira, who is uh, Ben Stiller's mom, oh, Jerry, Jerry see, Stiller's Jerry Stiller's wife. Yeah. And uh, another another interesting note: the ice cream man who uh, gets his head, you know, literally blown out the you know the back by that double barrel twelve gauge that Charlie has. 
Randall Dennis Widener, and he also has another famous role. He played Sloth in The Goonies. Baby Ruth. Yes. I'm going to scoop your brain. <laughs> um, uh, to me... Oh, real, and real, I'm sorry, real quick question about that. Like, this movie came out in the era where um, uh, the MPAA was going after horror big time, and so many movies got chopped. There's a cool effect when he, when the ice cream man gets his head blown off. Is there like a, uh, his head, um, there's a hole all the way through him or whatever. And yeah. when you look at it, it's such a fast shot. But when you look at it, it's like his insides is ice cream. Yeah. But they show yeah, it so quickly, you shit. don't really get a good look at it. You don't get the per- full perspective of what they're trying to do. So I wonder if they, if they had to cut part of that effect. Um, I'm not sure. But if they did, it's stupid that they had to cut part of that effect because it's not gory. The guy's made out of freaking ice cream. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's just silly. Uh, another another uh, actor that I noticed uh, was Kevin Peter Hall as the uh, the kind of the riverman for uh, Sticks, and uh, he played Sharon, and uh, he was also. Uh, he has eyes sewn shut, which was really, really cool. Uh, he also played uh, the Predator in the first, uh, the one from from 87. So, I mean, you've got a lot of, granted, you know, it's a lot of makeup and all this and that. But uh, Pamela Gidley, who, who played Clara, she was in Twin Peaks, Firewalk with me. Uh, yeah, a lot of, to me, I mean, not really super scary per se but it's just uh i i really liked the music during the scene uh with sam and charlie before they're going out there and uh to me this movie is just so so fun i mean there's a lot of punny shit in there you said like uh you better take this antifreeze it's going to be hotter than hell down there (laughs) uh oh man uh jerry stiller you know is yeah the stillers you know they they steal scenes you know and there's a lot of like tongue and cheek humor like uh when Beasel comes by with his tow truck to help Adam uh to help excuse me Charlie out uh it says it says AAA but it stands for anarchy annihilation armageddon uh like the side of Hellcop's car it says to endanger and enslave instead of uh serve and protect uh, yeah, there's a lot of funny stuff in here. A lot of, lot of, you know, kind of, you know, punny, punny humor. Uh, you know, like Hell Cop's handcuffs, you know. Yeah, they're like going to mention awesome. those. That was they're so literally, What a cool concept. Yeah, mm-hmm. literally hands. Uh, and they're always moving too. Like even when they're, when they're, um, you get a shot of them that are, um, on his belt when they're just strapped to his belt. The fingers are still moving, so the effects work. Uh, again, this is Steve Johnson who did the effects in this movie. He was the the, the effects head of this film, and he's always done some great stuff that has really impressed me as far as yeah. where the line of um, reality and where the effect is, and and all great practical stuff. Like you could say, maybe those maybe those shots of the of the hands are mechanical. But they, they, they move very real to be mechanical. 
but to me, if it, if those things like you know you know, pardon the way that I'm saying this, if those things actually existed, it would make sense because they'd be always wanting wanting want to be gripping something. Yeah. I mean that's how that's how they would work. You know, they'd want to be squeezing and 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 holding on to it. You know, probably cutting off your circulation. But hey, fuck it, you're in hell. They don't give a shit about circulation. <laughs> But um, they only hold up as long as you don't pour coffee on them. They do well. <laughs> yes, there you go. Yeah, yeah, bubbling green coffee. Yeah, they they have feelings somehow. Yeah. Uh, that and, scene, that whole scene in the the diner, or the coffee shop, man, that's a trip. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, all the all the uh, the the makeup and the effects in that that whole place was great. Uh. And of course, you know, you know, in typical horror film fashion, I was just like, and and I'm forgiving of this. It's just like you got to have the virgin. He needs the virgin, you know. And of course, Rachel's a virgin, and uh, and of course, um, did anybody notice when the when it was raining? And of course, the rain has to look awful. It looks like it's like raining thirty weight motor oil or Guinness or something. <laughs> And and I looked in the back window, and it looks like that shit is like literally going into the car. Like the whole back seat should have been <laughs> filled. Um, of course, I since I'm a nerd for like old eighty stuff, did anybody notice uh, that uh, red Coyote X that was parked outside the uh, uh, Hoffa Hoffa's Casino? That red car that Beazle got into. That oh. red car. Oh no! Let me guess. Was it Christine? No, it was not oh. Christine. But do you remember? It only went for three seasons. But uh, the the show uh, Hardcastle and McCormick. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was like a freaking Coyote X that he got into. I'm just like, that's the freaking Hardcastle and McCormick car. Nice. Of course, that's that's my '80s nerd um, thing, and the fact that they were actually throwing trash, spreading trash on the highway instead of picking it up. <laughs> uh, yeah. All, all this, all the, like the little shit in this movie just kind of, you know, struck a chord with me. And I also noticed that one of the maintenance guys looked like Andy Warhol. Was that like on oh, purpose? Yeah. Oh, definitely. And if you go back and watch that scene, there's more than one Andy Warhol in that scene. They're just kind of more off camera. Most of the time, most of it, you could just see like the tuft of the crazy white hair. The mo haircut hair, but uh, yeah, there's because I, I remember I have the see. This is the thing, like you said, uh, this isn't really horror per se. Um, yeah. I, I mean it it tries it it tries to on the surface claim to be a horror film, but it's really just a, a it's just a fun ride effects extravaganza. It, it is yeah. It's it's Steve Johnson's effects real more than anything else, but it, they create such a fun world with with uh, hell and everything. Like you said, with all the jokes and the puns, um, but but uh, it, it totally counts. This this movie was the cover story of Fangoria back in the day, and I have that issue nice. with, with Hellcop's oh, cool. big old mug right on the cover. And nice. they, they showed a shot of the maintenance Andy Warhol looking guy, and there's like three or four of them in the in the still shot. So I, I guess unless you, you know, if you read that article, you knew they were there. But if you watch the movie, you can't really tell. They're kind of more off to the side. You don't really get a good look at the multiple Warhols. Yeah, they 
the video Rachel watches in the car, you know, trying to tempt her to stay in hell, you know, he's like, you look like sh- 10 pounds of shit in a five pound bag, you know, and <laughs> uh, it's just like, you know, and they got a, a, a show called Bowling for Leftovers. And uh, of course, you know, uh, looking back on it, you know, I didn't think that, um, you know, spoiler alert, people, I didn't think uh, Bezel was going to be the devil. But looking at it now, to me, it seems so freaking obvious because, you know, <laughs> Beezlebub. Yep. Beezlebub, you know, Satan. And, uh, of course, you know, it's just like I I always thought, like, one of the coolest lines of this movie when I was a kid, and I still like it now, it says, I may not be carrying a pitchfork, Charlie, but I think, I know, I think you know who I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, of course, you know, very, very subtle. Uh, he... Uh, the Beazel, he does the evil eye fingers, uh, you know, like kind of like the devil horns, like, but he's like pointing with like the evil eye, like it's an old Italian thing. And he says, there's your exit point. You know, he's giving you the evil, evil eye with the fingers. And the, yeah. I guess I caught that. Um, but of course, you know, in the end, uh, and Sam foreshadows this about, you know, this, this car that he, that he lends to Charlie, uh, he says, Charlie, he agrees to race the hell cop and he, and he wants, uh, Rachel and Adam to go back home. If he loses Rachel and Adam stay in hell. And Adam is this kid that was originally kidnapped that, uh, Beazel is, uh, trying to mold into his own son to send back up to, uh, to conquer earth. But I mean, that's just kind of like a, that to me, that's like the B story. Uh, but you know, any any faces a lot of temptation. You know, going into like the road road to nowhere, and uh, apparently the Hell Cop was like of like the same uh, demonic lore of uh, of the demons and Demon Knight because you got to get him in the eyes. Oh. But uh, I watched this all the way to the end, and like I knew I re- like the re- like the music for some odd reason. And it said special mm-hmm. thanks to Tangerine Dream for additional music, and yep. I was just like, "God damn it!" I knew, I knew there was a reason I really liked this. I saw that and thought of you instantly. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, to me, this this was um, this is always uh, always a really fun movie for me. And a couple of years ago, they released it on DVD and Blu-ray, and I automatically bought it because it was it was very very hard to for me to. First of all, I had to track down the VHS, you know, yeah, which was mm-hmm. like two two years before it ever came out on uh, DVD and Blu-ray, and I was just like, "Oh yes, God, I finally got this!" And I, I immediately watched it, and it just gave me the old warm and fuzzies when I was like a, you know, a seventh grader. But uh, yeah, absolutely love it just as much as I did when I saw it when I was like, you know, twelve or thirteen. So. Yeah, very, very much recommend uh, Highway to Hell. Yeah, this is the first watch for me, and I had never even heard of this thing. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, and I was blown away, man. That was a blast to watch, so this this whole episode was fun for me, but this one in particular is such a different... I mean, what a variety of movies we have on this podcast. Yeah. Good job, Mike, yeah. on picking these oh, movies. Oh, thank you. But I, I did not 
if you suggest something that I've never heard of, I simp I know I'm going to watch it, so I simply just avoid. You know, I don't watch any trailers, don't read anything about it, just hit play and watch it. And I did not know if this was going to be, be a comedy. I didn't know if it was going to be strictly horror. And uh, this one, man, how fun is that? Like, I had no idea until the, you know, obviously the cop steps out and his foot sort of melts on the highway. And I'm like, where are we going with this? Mm -hmm. And uh, then, of course, the Stillers show up and I'm cracking up and Gilbert Godfrey. And I'm like, man, this is so <laughs> much fun. What a cool concept. Technically, I suggested this one. Damn it. Well, that's true. He did. <laughs> the whole the whole episode kind of so grew you, out of this yeah <laughs> yes thank you mike <laughs> hey no problem yeah thank you for bringing it up too because i've been wanting to rewatch this movie forever it's been so long since i've seen it because it it is hard to it was hard to find when it came out on vhs back like in VHS. the day i know yeah. man so well when i was reading it, it said that it was shot in what like 89 it didn't come out till 91, 91 it sat yeah. on the shelf for like two oh, years, because oh. mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I imagine. I mean, if I was I was telling another friend about this movie a few days ago, and saying it out loud, like the plot and who's in it and stuff, they're like, "This is like a movie that got made." I'm like, "Yeah," <laughs> because stuff like this this would never fly today. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, a studio would like scoff at making something like this. And I can understand, sort of understand why it sat on the shelf because. They probably had no idea how to, how the hell to market it because they're like, is this a comedy? Is this? I almost I almost uh, instantly wanted to hate this one because I thought they were going to kill the dog and he fun he plays like a hero in some of it. He distracts yeah. some of the yeah he, he he distracts some of was like demons or something. He distracts something from yeah, the three headed dog like uh, yeah. what's it called like Brutus or uh, oh that's yeah, right which was which like from mythology bad, right? like that's the, some of the not so great effects in this movie were like was that like stop motion or something or yeah claymation or something okay. but uh but that was awesome because that's what my dog would do and um i just anytime a dog plays like a role in a movie he's not just a dog and i can yeah. tell he, he, he the dog was very important to him but also i thought it was very irresponsible of him to even take his dog into hell with him it's like just if I was in that situation, I would leave my dog with the old man and be like, you know, if I make it out, I'll be back for my dog, and if not, take care of him. Well, you know, and then there's moments when he when he gets out of the car in hell and he makes the dog stay in the car. I'm like, you, you can't, you're not supposed to do that in in Iowa somewhere, let alone yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. let alone in hell. How'd that dog survive? Um, but he's tough. The dog's tough. Yeah. I love the. F I I noticed the fact that even yeah, you know, even though they're he's driving a car from like the 1940s, I love the fact that um, Sam's gas station had like the most prehistoric gas pumps I've ever seen in my life. Did you guys <laughs> notice that he like pulled on this lever to pump the gas? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, and it was exciting to see him. You know, uh, Richard Farnsworth as uh, Sam in this. Uh, after oh, yeah. uh, after watching Misery not that long ago, I I love this actor. You know, he's always going to be that sheriff in Misery, but he kind of kind of always has that that same presence about him, where he's just like this this old man hick, but he does know everything if you just stop and listen to him. To me, like he he's got a voice that's like a voice and a presence that's like so 
warm and welcoming, and mm-hmm. you just want to sit down and pick his brain and just hear him talk about stuff. You know, it's just yeah, he's got he's got that kind of presence. Um, yeah, a lot of great performances in this movie. A lot of cool like cameos from different character actors. But for me, the star of this film is Steve Johnson's effects work. I mean, I'm a Steve Johnson fan. You know, he did like Night of the Demons, Ghostbusters, Fright Night. Uh, Nightmare 4. Nightmare right? 4. One of my favorite works of his was uh, Dead Heat with Joe Piscopo and Treat Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of cool, a lot of cool looking effects in this. I love the um, the demon that was that you know when Christy Swanson turned into that demon there in the in that yeah. bedroom scene. That freaking demon is so badass looking, and how you know the tail just moving around the whole time, and the again. Tongue. And the tongue, and again, I'm when I watch that kind of stuff, and I'm always like, I'm just my eyes are instantly drawn to where, where the seam is in the effect, and that, you know, a lot of times when you see like a something long like that that's wiggling around, you can kind of see the, kind of the the pressure point of where the wire would be attached, and that's where the main movement is coming from by people pulling the wire. If this had a wire, one, I couldn't see the wire, and two, I couldn't see where the point of the wire would be at. It had such a natural flow to the whipping of that tail. It was amazing, amazing. It's like, um, you know, because, and, and I have a lot, I always have moments of like that every time I watch something Steve Johnson has done. Like Nine of the Demons 2, when Angela turns into that snake monster in the basement. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a huge giant snake tail, but it's got such, such, um, perfect normal snake movement to it that it's, it feels so natural and he, the way he pulls that stuff off all the time, you know, and when he, I, th- I was impressed of the way it moved when it got cut off and the way it was flopping around on the floor after yeah. it, you know, it got severed. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, Exactly, and the look of the Hellcop's pretty cool with all the the carvings oh, into his yeah. face. Um, yeah, a little bit of trivia. Uh, I think somewhere on the front of his face, around somewhere on his chin, um, is the initials SJ plus LQ, because that was around the time Steve Johnson married Linnea Quigley. Oh, okay. Yeah. So fun little little bit of trivia there. Um, yeah, but this, yeah, this movie is a lot of fun. I just, I love the whole world, the the whole world building they did with hell, you know, from the cafe to the casino. Um, you know, I, you can obviously tell where there was budget restraints when there's a good chunk of the movie that takes place in nothing but just a long desert road. You know, you get all these, all this cool imagery with, uh, some of these other locations, but, uh, but then, you know, the last... The last act of the movie just is just running down this long desert road, you know, kind of boring desert road, but but whatever. Um, oh, and the director of this, his name is Eight at D D Young or D John uh, A T E is his first name. Okay, but uh, interesting fact here: he directed Drop Dead Fred. Mm. So yeah, and the guy who wrote this also wrote L.A. Confidential. Oh, no kidding. Wow, interesting. Yeah, Brian Hegland. Yeah. Wow. 
So yeah, so happy to finally get to rewatch this movie. It's been so long, and it and it still held up. So yeah, it's just I if I would describe this movie in one word, just it's fun. Yeah, it's just and everybody in hell apparently drives Volkswagen Beetles. Just FYI. <laughs> oh, is that another? Is that another knock to, towards the Germans? Maybe. I I I don't know. I mean, I don't know what they're trying to say. With but the, I with mean, the Nazi reference with Hitler and everything. Well, everybody, if if it's in hell, you know, people must enjoy hitting each other. So everybody's playing like Slugbug, I guess. I don't know. Oh, maybe. Yeah, that could be. That's still my favorite thing. Gilbert Godfrey as Hitler, a Jew playing yeah. Hitler. If I would have seen it like a month earlier, I could have got like something like Highway to Hell signed by him. Oh, that's right. I stand in, I stand in my room and I play air guitar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. yeah, you know they just turned awesome. the you know they just turned the camera on and just said yeah, say whatever lose. you want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. So on to our last film. Uh, the next one we're going to talk about from two thousand six, Silent Hill. Honey, sometimes when you go to sleep, you go on a little walk. And sometimes you talk about a place. I don't remember. That's why we're going to go there. So you can remember. I need your help. I'm not okay. Please, hurry. The fire started 30 years ago. I don't know what's happening. Do you know what's going on here? This place is completely cut off. Only the dark one opens and closes the door to Silent Hill. Hey! Where is she? I'm trying to find my wife. She looks exactly like Sharon. Why? Rose, come on! Rose, hurry! It's coming! What's happening? Oh! Sharon! To find your daughter, you must face the darkness of hell. It's okay, baby. Mommy's coming. So Silent Hill synapses here. Uh, Silent Hill is a movie based on a video game that pissed me off when I played it because I couldn't get past the very first fucking puzzle. <laughs> um, little Sharon wakes up every night screaming, Silent Hill, Silent Hill! 
Um, Rose, her adopted mother, takes her um, on a road trip to find the town to try to solve what the hell's going on with her adopted daughter. Uh, Rose runs into um, Andrea from The Walking Dead dressed as the T-1000. Mm-hmm. Um, and, <laughs> and did you notice that? Like when, d- oh, there's absolutely. Those, there's those moments. Well, there's those mo- d- are, do all motorcycle cops walk like that? Or was she emanating the T-1000? Because there's those moments where, you know, she's just walking after she handcuffs, um, uh, the handcuffs, the mom, and they're walking through the fog and ash or whatever. She just, to me, she's walking like the T-1000 the whole time. Have you seen this boy? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so Lady Cop pursues Rose until Rose loses control of her vehicle and swerves to avoid another child uh, in the middle of the road, and it ends up knocking her out cold. And when she wakes up, she finds that her adoptive daughter is missing, and so she searches through the streets of Silent Hill, through the fog and ash, to try to find her daughter. So yeah, that's Silent West Hill for Virginia. you. Virginia. Okay. So yeah, um, I the only thing I hadn't seen this movie um, since it originally came out, so I'm glad uh, I got, finally got a chance to rewatch it because I don't know if it was like a whole thing of like I went through this whole phase of. Maybe a mixture of like anything with CGI sucks or um, video game movies always suck. But I remember all I can remember from this movie from the first time I watched it is not liking it. But watching again, this movie's great. This movie is amazing. Um, uh, you and me, you and me both. I remember not liking it very well, but I. I for some weird reason I kept the DVD. Normally, if I if I just really dislike something, I'm just I'm probably it's going to get sold. But upon this this second viewing, I really ended up liking it a lot more and appreciating it, and looking forward to the Shout Factory release. Yes, definitely me too. And yeah, because I don't know, it's not like. It's not like back in the day I was a purist for the video game, and I mean, yeah, I never even finished it. Like I couldn't get past the first puzzle. But uh, uh, so I don't know why I was so like, oh, this movie's not like the video game. I don't know what my problem was with that. I mean, it feels like it's way more true to the game than you know, say like Super Mario Brothers or some shit. You know, so <laughs> but just the imagery is great. I feel like. I feel like all the effects, even the CGI stuff, hold up. Um, you know, again, considering this was 2006, so that's 13 years ago, and the you know all the effects. You know, there's some there's some moments where like you don't know exactly what's practical and you don't know what's exactly CGI. I feel like the the uh, weird ash, no faced children. Uh, you know, the first creepy stuff we see um, when Rose is mm-hmm. walking through the town and they start chasing her, they start going after her. I feel like that CGI doesn't doesn't really look very good, but I think for me, more than anything else, it's the design of it. Like, a lot of the designs of the creatures in this movie are great, and those, especially for being the first creatures we see, just, just feel subpar to me. You know, they're pretty generic. But like the nurses, 
The nurses are freaking awesome. And those scenes with the oh, nurses wow. with their jittery walk and shit yeah. is amazing. All oh, those scenes, mm-hmm. those scenes were my favorite scenes with the nurses when she's, you know, walking through the nurses and then they just they every once in a while one would twitch. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> you know, it make me jump every time. But uh um and then of course um uh Pyramid Head or Red Pyramid, how whatever they call that guy, he was awesome and he looks great. Uh, that whole outfit uh, is amazing, and and um, it's you know turned into like a huge cosplay character. You know, like a lot of people go to cons dressed as that, which I th- think is crazy because I cannot be comfortable at all wearing a no matter what yeah. material make it out of that giant pyramid on your head. I gotta say that my favorite moment in the movie is when the corpse of Colin and the bathroom starl comes alive. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he starts, uh, you know, and he's hogtied with like barbed wire, mm-hmm. and he's going, blah, 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 and just you know jabbing his tongue out in this, and just, uh, yeah. Uh, but one of one of my uh, what I really love about this movie is the the way they did the location, not like necessarily the location itself, because it made it look there's abandoned. And then you have, like, squatters go in there with, like, uh, you know, spray paint and, you know, making swastikas and smashing out windows and shit and all this other stuff. I love the look of this movie because it literally looks like nothing has been touched for about 40 years. Yeah. Like, no, like no dust has been moved in 40 years. I mean, it literally looked like everybody just up and left. Like, nothing with everything there was like left to rot. That's why the paint curled up and it's not been, you know, hasn't been, it hasn't been scraped off the wall. It's like everything was just left like frozen in time and then just everything just decomposed, you know, at, it, it, at its natural state. Nobody came in there and smashed anything. And that's just like, I read, that's the, that's the one part that I really, really liked about the whole set design it's just like everything aged the way that it was supposed to nothing nothing, was, nothing living has touched it not even yeah. like foliage has overgrown in this town or anything it's yeah. just it's like you said frozen in time i think that's the best way to describe it just everything the town is freaking dead it's physically yeah. dead yeah because i mean this like i love i mean i it would make me more uh I guess put off and dislike it more if there was like you know graffiti and smashed windows. I mean, because to me, to me, that's so common. That's just so that's so easy to decorate like like that. But well, and then the that, way, would, the that way, would that would put holes in the story too. Of like, you know, that just means people can come in and out of this town and yeah, do damage yeah, or, and and you know everything's fine. But no, or they no. can do damage and not come out. But well, that's uh, true too. But. Yeah, I I watched this one not when it came out. I was sort of in that stage too where I saw it and I was like, man, video game movies all suck and this looks sort of <laughs> stupid. And I had a chip on my shoulder and then my friend Adam was like, you got to check this out. And it's probably, I don't know, five or six years ago I watched it and did not love it then. But uh, rewatching it, I think I appreciate it a little bit more now. I still don't love it, but visually it's awesome i mean hard to beat the visuals on this it's just so damn cool it's like Mm -hmm. a feature length 
badass uh, like music video the way you know it, it, that, that's how I sort of felt it looked but not in a bad way just uh, I think maybe the, the things I don't like about it and it's not necessarily at its fault it sort of lends itself to this is that it does even the movie plays out like you're like the characters going through levels of a video game where instead of it's like we have these small little bosses until you get to the big boss, but you go through, it's like, Oh, now we're on the level where they have to face all the, the scary nurses. And then we have the level where that the creepy kids, you know, and, mm. uh, I'm not saying that's a horrible thing because a lot of movies, you know, you go through different, you know, you had to go through different levels of hell, I guess you could say, but, um, this one, and it's probably a lot to do with the fact that I know in my head it's based on a video game, so I know that ahead of time, but it's just hard to, you can't knock, like, visually how, how cool this is. Mm-hmm. And yeah. some of the, you know, the scenes where, like like you said, the pyramid head, like, pulls pulls a woman's skin directly off her body and just oh, throws yeah, it at her. Wow. Awesome. Just fucking dark, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah, it's, some of that shit is just, like, it's not terrifying just fucking you know brutal and to the point and Mm -hmm. does not it shows it all and how cool is that and the complete you know it's super saturated when they're in silent hill and the the uh cinematography and the the color timing is is crazy you know ramp up the contrast and and make it just look grimy and gnarly and i definitely saw the uh terminator thing that you did too instantly <laughs> it, it doesn't help it, it, it's like it made me think of the scene where where the the terminator in, in t2 when he's like frozen you know because mm-hmm. it, oh, yeah. it's like with the ash falling from it sort of gives that snow effect and i'm like man this is where do i know this from oh even like the shape <laughs> of the helmet the sunglasses it, it looks visually just like it and like yeah. you said, even the mannerisms, it's like, is this a yeah. nod to it in some ways? It's crazy. I just, I wonder, once she got in that outfit, I just wonder if she couldn't help herself, to be honest. Like, because uh, why would you do that otherwise? Right. <laughs> she looked good in it. Well, she looked great. Oh, yeah, she looked great in it. But uh, but it was totally, it was totally T2 going on. Yeah. I, I, I think that I need to point out something right now that I think this movie should be held in high regard where you had Sean Bean and Kim Coates in this movie and neither one of them died in it. Yeah. <laughs> Cause they Rarity. die in the, yeah, they die in everything, but this movie. <laughs> Did they ever do anything else in the silent Hill cinematic universe? Cause I'm not familiar at all with this property. I've never really played the game. They made a, they yeah, made there a was, sequel. there was a sequel. There I was, seen it. yeah, Revelations. Revelation, yeah, Revelations. Okay. Was it like wide theatrical or that? I don't remember. I think it played theatrically, but okay. I'd I'd never seen it, and I was going to ask if either of you guys had seen it. I think I I think I want to now just to see where they go with it. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah, I kind of do too, just because you know. Because I think I avoided the sequel like the plague because, for some reason, I was an asshole and hated the first one. Yeah. First time I saw it, it's like I'm not gonna see the sequel, but no, I kind of want to. It's just yeah, it's just it's interesting. We're talking. We, I, I'm talking about 
what I like about Highway to Hell and what I like about this movie, and it's it's the same thing, but both movies are so visually different. But just you know, the visuals of both of these movies are just, and the world that these people are trapped in in both of these movies, the world that they create are just so cool and fun and stunning and and creative. Uh, but but yet both movies are very very different. <laughs> I almost, I almost think we could probably do an episode of where we each pick a movie that had to grow on us. You know, it's like with with multiple viewings, we we grew to appreciate it more. You know, you know I, I could, oh, I could go on for days of that, and yeah. you could probably like, go Rob- back and listen to the history of this show and and listen to me earlier on badmouth. A lot of movies that I probably now love today. So yeah, like like a couple of Rob Zombie movies had to grow on me, and now I've really grown to like them. Like yeah, particularly his Halloween, not the second one. That's not going to happen. But uh, <laughs> the uh, the uh, his the Rob Zombie's Halloween because um, I was kind of a bit of a snob because uh, I was I was a bit of a purist uh, in 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 term in in terms of the interpretation of Michael, I figured he had to have more of a mystique. He had to, uh, we had to know nothing about him. He just, uh, you know, all of a sudden snapped, but I've come to appreciate that more. And I've come to appreciate the Lords of Salem a lot more. So uh, I love that one. I love that one too. That might be my favorite of zombies. You know, speak, I mean, this kind of coincides with what we're talking about. Consider silent Hill was raised by witch hunters. <laughs> If I were to if I were to pick a movie off the top of my head that was night and you know how I feel about it now versus my first experience um, night and day and that would have to be the the um, Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead. Oh, uh, when I saw it in the okay. th- when I saw it in the theater, I hated it. But I think two hmm. things. One thing is I went in wanting to hate it because Dawn of the D- George Romero's is my favorite oh, yeah. movie of all time, and that was at the heyday of me hating remakes and trying <laughs> um but uh when it came out on dvd and the director's cut came out i watched that thing over and over again i, f- I freaking love Zack snyder's film um it's 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 a lot of fun it's really cool um some really uh some really tense that, moments in it and that overhead shot before the wreck oh my god <laughs> oh yeah that opening scene what a great use of that uh, uh johnny cash song too there at the beginning Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, uh, one of the things that I hated about the, about, and again, all I'm doing watching this in the theater is comparing it to the original, right? And when I watched it in the theater, um, it was an, you know, it wasn't the director's cut and I'm watching it in the theater and it literally goes, I remember it distinctly cause that was the moment that really pissed me off. It goes from that moment where there's, you know, they, they kind of, they all have met up and they're like trying to figure out where to go, and the one guy says, hey, we thought about going to the mall. And then it cuts to them throwing that toilet through the window and then them walking in. So when you're watching the theatrical version of it, it looks like that's how they get into the mall. But mm-hmm. when you watch the director's cut, there's like two or three scenes of them you know, scoping out the mall, um, getting into the mall, almost getting attacked by zombies as they're trying to break into the mall. And the toilet is actually being thrown through a store window 
to get into to to get to get into another store. Because my whole time I'm sitting there watching the theatrical version, thinking, "Why would you throw the toilet a toilet through the window? Zombies are just going to get into this mall, and you don't ever show that you fortifying that that hole you just made." And plus, like the original movie, spent so much time getting into the mall, forticating the mall, and and yeah. the remake does nothing but throw a toilet through a window. I mean, that moment really, really bugged me, and it pissed me off. But it's crazy to think how different that was based on those extra scenes. The perception of that shot of that toilet going through the glass, um, thinking that that's how they're getting into the mall, when in actuality they were already in the mall the whole time. That was just something completely different. But that, mm-hmm. was, that was definitely... A movie that I've done a complete turnaround on. So, anyway, I guess I looked it up, and Silent Hill Two came out in I think 2012. So it was six years between them. So we're due for a wow. third one. <laughs> awesome. <clears throat> well, who knows if it ever happened? Because considering we'll never, it feels like we're never going to see another Silent Hill game. Uh, anyway, I think I also I think I remember now another reason why I was so anti this movie because Resident Evil the Resident Evil movie pissed me off so bad that it tainted all yeah. horror themed video game movies from there on out, and I don't think that's one I'm ever going to turn around on. I refuse. Uh, you know, and it, well, you know, it's probably a masterpiece compared to Yui Bowles' House of the Dead. Oh, I'll watch House of the Dead any given day, man. Over, over that. House really, the, House of the Dead is is stupid, and that's what makes it. That's it's a horrible movie, and that's what makes it. Yeah, great. because oh man. Well, okay. On that point, we agree. But yeah, look, when everybody. You know, every college student is like a ninja master and a firearms expert can jump in midair, you know, and it's yeah. like all pause and oh my god. That's right. Yeah, it's great. Did you know um it's been several years now, but I remember seeing an ad, I think it was in Rumorg, for he did he recut House of the Dead into a comedy. And there's really? a there's a DVD Yui Bull comedy cut out there. I want to see it so... I've never seen the comedy cut. I want to see it so bad. I just... I love the idea of taking a movie, all the original materials, and then re-editing it into something else. Anyway. Um, yeah. I think I think um, we ran out of things to say about Silent Hill since we've gone way off topics. So. <laughs> yeah, sorry. We, we've gone That's silent a... on it. Ah. Ba-dum-ching. <laughs> All right, so then with that said, um, that wraps up the discussion on Road Trip to Hell. But that's not it for the show, folks. we got segments coming up. We're going to take a quick quick break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. 
Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. All right, welcome back to the show. It's shout-outs time, and since uh, Jason's not here, I'm going to turn it over to Tad. It's time for... Shout-outs! All right, I'm not going to be able to do justice for Jason, but we're going to kick off shout-outs. We asked over on our Facebook page, what are your favorite road trip to hell horror movies? And we got some responses. I'm going to go with Derek Bothilo, both Bothilo's. Botello, sorry, Derek. I butchered your last name. You can uh, call me bad names. He went with The Wizard of Oz. I think you might be joking there, but it is definitely uh, creepy at times with those flying monkeys, I would say. Oh, yeah. My uh, father-in-law, he is a he's a tough guy who is not scared of anything, and he's terrified of the flying monkeys. So. Awesome. Pay no attention and, to the man behind the curtain. Yeah. We have Benjamin Chi. He says, does Train to Busan count as road trip? What do you guys think? Definitely a road trip, but when we but when we came up with the topic of road or when I came up with the topic of road trip to hell, it was more literal, like literally ending up in hell. So okay. and that was kind of the theme we were going for. But Train to Busan definitely um, is a road trip that turns hellish. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And an awesome freaking movie. Kind of want to watch it now. We got Micah Wilson said Mad Max Fury Road. Definitely a road trip, because they're constantly moving. Fury Road. Got Seth B. Benson, says Mandy, and Race with the Devil and the Devil's Rejects. I never would have thought of Devil's Rejects, but it makes sense as they're running from the cops. They're on their own little road trip. Yep. And, of course, Mandy's awesome. Um, Oh, yeah. And that one one could almost be... Because that one, too... Can also be interpreted interpreted to be almost like he's on a on a road trip to literal hell. Yeah, I still kind of think that's what the ending means when it when the camera pans back and you just see this like weird world that isn't Earth anymore. I think he's in hell. Well, I think that might be the LSD from his perception as well. But. Yeah, I know a lot of people said that, but mm, probably. Clinton Bonson says, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre and The Hills Have Eyes. Two classic horrors. Yeah. I mean, this this all could be what their perspective of what hell is. So, I mean, I think these are actual, you know, fair fair answers. Oh, no, these are these are all great answers. Um, you know, we just we just took the term road trip to hell literally. Um, you know, but these are definitely great road trip road trip movies that uh end horribly for sure so it definitely fits in the topic and over we asked the same question over in our attack of the killer podcast group edition page so if you're not over there on facebook gotta join that group it's always fun discussion with each other sharing news and discussing uh the ins and outs of horror so we got tim leonard who's a regular listener 
he says, wrong turn, not because it's a good movie, it isn't, but because I saw it at a dollar theater that reeked of piss. My friend Brian <laughs> was less than enthusiastic about the aroma, and I wouldn't shut up about how it was like an authentic grindhouse experience. <laughs> so Tim Tim enjoyed the movie for the experience more so than the actual movie, but I like wrong turn. I love wrong turn, man. <laughs> and his friend's discomfort, no less. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm a I'm a wrong turn fan too. I I like him. Yeah, I like the second one too. I haven't seen beyond the second one, but it, I think I've seen the first three. I believe they they fall off immediately right after two. I well, love they, two a lot as well. They have like eight of them or something now, right? There's like a ridiculous like six, amount of them. I think. Something and like they're that, making. Yeah. I think they're rebooting it. I heard they're starting over. <laughs> It's just, it's just an Appalachian Hills Have Eyes, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. And uh, the the uh, the hillbilly, the inbred hillbillies look awesome. The makeups on those are cool. Oh yeah, the kills are great. And yeah, what's not to love about Wrong Turn, man? And you've got yeah. Henry, and you've got Henry Rollins killing some of them. Yes. Well, um, great. Part two is directed by Joe Lynch. That was his first film. So. Yep. Yeah, and uh, you know, seeing it in a the theater like that, I'm not sure I would enjoy it. I would be sort of uh, pissed, for you know, lack of better term. But uh, I, I don't, I don't even think I saw the original in theaters. I think I saw it on on DVD when it came out. <laughs> Go to the same theater, you might get pissed on. Yeah. <laughs> well, next one we have some guy named Jason Bollinger. Bollinger. <laughs> Bo- Bologna- Sounds like a dick. Bollinger. <laughs> uh, Baloney something. Uh, <laughs> Bo- Bowfinger? Uh, oh, my. says, I quite enjoyed Race with the Devil with Peter Fonda and the obvious duel. Miss you guys. We That's miss really you too, buddy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't really miss him because I just saw him in his <laughs> band and they stayed the night at my house and... You know, th- at least this time they their van worked and they got to move on and not live at my house for a couple days. So you know, I'm glad to see that their their tr- their tour this time went a lot better than last time. But you know, yeah, just kidding. And we miss you. We miss having you on the show. Um, Absolutely. Kip back soon so you can edit this episode and and post <laughs> for us. <laughs> and then we have one more. From a Brian Clark. I don't know if you guys know this guy, but uh, heard of him. He says Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny, which is getting its second shout out on this episode. And he said, "Okay, fine, it's not horror, but the actual fucking devil shows up, and the demon coat prevents him from declining a rock off challenge." So he went with that up ep- that that pick, and I had not seen this comment before, so it's sort of cool how we both ended up with that uh, conclusion, but. It's it's sort of funny that technically is like the only ep, the only um, answer that was an actual road trip to hell, like you were saying. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and and out of all of them, Brian's sarcastic, tenacious D pick was the one that actually was a road trip to <laughs> literal hell. So, <laughs> you, I know you're trying to be a smartass, Brian, but way to way to up one up everybody and actually pick one that was correct. So. I love that. I love that moment in the movie. Uh, that song is awesome. And I, when that movie came out, uh, that's when I was still working at Sam Goody. And you know, sometimes we'd get promo copies of 
of CDs and stuff, and we got we got in a promo copy of the soundtrack. Uh, the problem is a lot of times we get these promo copies, and they'd be edited copies, the edited versions. Mm-hmm. And so it was the edited version of um, of the Pick a Destiny soundtrack. And, you know, if you remember, like, um, Dave Grohl is the devil, like, is, is constantly swearing through that song. But instead of it being bleeped out on the edited version, they replace it. It's as if they recorded the song twice because it's it's their voices. And they're using where he's saying, like, fuck and shit. He says, like, dang and drat and something and stuff like that. <laughs> Which I think the edited version is ten times funnier than the real version. Just the idea oh, yeah. of the devil saying words like darn and drat is is hysterical. So... It's one of those times where, like, I think I prefer the edited version. Well, it's sort of funny, like, it made that it makes me think of this today um, when I was listening to a podcast, sort of similar and off-topic a little bit, but uh, when Weezer came out with a single called We Are All On Drugs, MTV wouldn't play it, which is the dumbest thing. Like, the, the chorus in the song is, We Are All On Drugs. So they... Their drummer, Pat, who's a, f- a very funny guy, wanted to change it to We Are All On Hugs, <laughs> just to, to, to make it, like, uh, so bad that it would be funny, like, old, you know, overdubbing some of these movies like they do on TV, but they settled with um, We Are All In Love, which is not as funny as no. Hugs. I was sad. And then when they performed, like, ha- they, they played their single Hash Pipe on... Like during yeah. the X Games, and someone, you know, some higher up said that they had to edit that. They did half pipe because they're at the X Games, and it's so stupid. But um, it made me think of that too, because it's like those two edits are are actually very funny to me. Because my, like, if you're gonna make them do it, they're gonna make it ridiculous so that everybody gets a laugh out of it, rather than you know comply my two, my two favorite edits come from scarface and the big lebowski uh, where'd, you, yeah. where'd you get a scar like that eating pineapple and this is what happens when you find a stranger in the alps yeah that's like a classic yeah. one there yeah, man that's like everyone's favorite one yeah mm-hmm. that was oh, actually yeah. yeah the one that was um referenced on the other podcast i listened to today uh they were talking about the big lebowski one there was a Goldberg's episode where they uh, they talk about that too with Die Hard, and instead of Yippie Kaye motherfucker, it was like the TV version was like Yippie Kaye Melon Farmer. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, like it. Great. Yeah, but if you're gonna go out, might as well do something funny with it, you know? Amen. Oh yeah. So yeah, that, that's that's shout outs. That's what, how Jason would do it. That's shout-outs. Thanks for all your uh, comments. Thanks for... Thank you, thank you. ...shouting out, and... Uh, I pre- we all appreciate having your answers, so... I guess uh, we're going to go into our next segment that everybody has been, look- has been looking forward to all week, <laughs> and we're going to kick it to Mike with uh, Insane's Picks. <laughs> Okay, so Saints pick this time. This is one of those. This is one of those uh, moments where I'm actually 
um, not going to recommend a movie. It's it's more of a negative review. Um, but you know, the whole goal with the Saints picks is to be talking about like you know B B grade, Z grade trash cinema and the and the bowels of 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 horror cinema. And um, now we are going to go deep, 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 deep into the trash of Z-grade films as we discuss a movie by director Rick Sloan called Blood Theater from 1984. That's right, I am doing a Rick Sloan film this time. Rick Sloan is most famously known in bad cinema for the film Hobgoblins. There's an amazing Mystery Science Theater 3000 episode. The only episode my son will watch of Mystery Science Theater 3000 is the Hobgoblins episode. Really funny, because it's a really, really bad movie. But Rick Sloan huh. is also known for the Vice Academy films, which I guess there's eight of those damn oh. things. Yeah. Um, really? Yeah. Uh, I've only seen, I think, the first first three or four, uh, but uh, the first couple uh, of the Vice Academy movies starred Linnea Quigley and Ginger Lynn Allen, um, and I really, yeah. really liked the first two movies. But uh, Blood Theater was Rick Sloan's very first film, and it shows. <laughs> uh, years ago, a fed-up movie theater employee traps all the patrons inside the theater and sets the place on fire, killing everybody inside. Years later, the theater is back and is now haunted and is the setting of many, many bizarre murders in a very cheaply made horror spoof that is neither horror or comedy. Uh, somehow, this movie actually managed to get Mary Warnoff in it. I don't know if she needed you know, a quick fix or what the heck's going on, but like... She was desperate for a paycheck by being in this movie, that's for sure. Um, it's, it's full of cheap-as-hell sets. You know, It all takes place in movie theaters, but like you can't even tell that they're movie theaters except for you know, the, the theater seating and the actual screening uh, you know, room. But like the lobbies and stuff, they don't look like movie theater lobbies. And the posters are so freaking poorly made and stuff. Uh, it's also, which is very common for Rick Sloan movies, has got god-awful Foley that repeats over and over and over again. There's this swooshing noise that I assume is supposed to be the theater doors opening and closing that obviously it's layered in. You can tell it's not part of the environment. It doesn't even sound natural, and it's the same sound every single freaking time. And I'm assuming it's the theater doors, but you're never quite sure because they never actually show shots of the doors whenever the snor noise is made. Um, and then there's like uh, some really bad thunder, thundering, crack crackling noises throughout the third act of the film. Uh, there is an amazing music score that was recorded, I'm assume, I, I assume, on a $50 1980s uh, Casio keyboard. And the acting, the acting in this movie really pushes my boundaries really pushes my New Year's resolution of not criticizing acting in film. So my New Year's resolution is to not comment on acting. I'm not an actor. Who am I to say that, uh, that the acting is bad in such, in such and such movie? I kind of really get tired of listening to other podcasts where they're critiquing the acting in movies that I feel, I, I feel that I quite enjoy the acting. 
Is it always Shakespeare? No, it's not always going to be Shakespeare or Academy Award winning performances. But there are performances that fit that movie. So why are we going to knock the acting in that movie? Because I've seen many actors do different ranges of performances. And I don't feel it shows any sign of what their actual skills are. It's a matter of that is the performance that was preferred for that for that film. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. This movie really pushes really pushes that for me to try to not criticize the acting in this movie because it's freaking bad. It's bad and not in a fun way. Um, and yeah, it's yeah, it's bad. C the typewriter typing on its own. See film reels floating in midair. See the girl with gold shiny pants and an exposed camel toe flash her boobs during the movie. See a horribly fake trailer about clown hookers. That's right, that's blood theater for you. If you see one Rick Sloan film, you've seen them all. Um, you can always tell it's a Rick Sloan film based on the fact that they all have poor production value, bad foley, no real sense of comic timing when it comes to performances or editing. However, Blood Theater lacks the charm of his other films, like Vice Academy or Hobgoblins. There's still a charm to those films that make them entertaining. That's null and void in Blood Theater. Uh, even at a short running time of an hour and 15 minutes, it seems like this movie wow. takes for flipping ever. It took me two sittings to get all the way through it. And not even the great Mary Warnoff can save this film. And I'll watch her in anything. Well, I used to say that, but not anymore, thanks to Blood Theater. <laughs> Avoid this one unless you are a Rick Sloan completist. And if you are, it is free to see on Amazon Prime. But if you're not, instead I'd recommend seeing Rick Sloan's Vice Academy 2 that features the robot Bimbo Cop. Anyway, that's Insane's Picks for this episode, 1984's Blood Theater. Uh... Normally I'd say don't miss it, but this time I'm going to say miss it. Anyway, that's it. That's the show. That's it? That's all? I think that's. that's all I, th I think we got all the boxes checked. We did it. Yeah. Our chores are done. <laughs> all right, cool. Well, and unless you guys have any anything else to add? Well, I was going to say, Blood Theater, like, the synopsis of it kind of reminded me of, like, popcorn. Theater burns down. You know, it just, it sounded very similar. Yeah, but popcorn's actually awesome. And Blood yeah, Theater I know. I, lo I love that damn movie. <laughs> I love popcorn. If you guys haven't done an episode on that, I'll talk about that. But you probably already have. We have, but I'm always up for talking about that movie again because it's awesome. You know, but Blood Theater is more of the sticky sub substance on the floor of the theater in popcorn. So, what kind of theater are we talking about? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Use your imagination. Anyway, so that's it for this episode, guys. Uh, thanks everybody out there for listening. Thanks again. Um, uh, hopefully, we did good enough without Jason. Um, if you if you prefer it without Jason, let us know on Twitter, Facebook, <laughs> oh, and Instagram. No. no. <laughs> Call him on his home phone, you know. <laughs> <laughs> his number is. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, so that's it for the show. Uh thanks again. Also special thanks out there to the Patreon supporters. 
And uh, we will talk to you on the next episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Goodbye. Oh no, could this be the end of? Attack of the Killer Podcast.